All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, let me interrupt myself. Mark, don't leave before I see you after church. I need to ask you something right quick on the back seat, Mark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Hebrews chapter 10. I want to start a, a, a series. We've talked about a series on faith. I've talked about faith many times before. Uh, we've discussed faith. We've even preached about it, mentioned it in the messages. But I want to look at a series uh, concerning faith and uh, what faith is to us and, and uh, uh, how do we obtain faith? Do we have faith? Can faith grow? Those kind of things. And we want to look at, that, uh, look at that tonight. I was thinking about this just a few minutes ago when Caleb was singing that song, Jesus, Jesus, How I Trust Him. And I want to ask you a question. How many of you feel like that you have faith? Very simple question. How many of you feel like you've got faith? How many of you feel like you don't have any faith? Now, I'm, gl- I'm, glad, I'm glad nobody raised your hand because your, your, Bible, your Bible tells you that everybody has been given a measure of faith, right? So we have, we have a measure of faith. How many knows and believes that faith, though, can grow with us? It can. Right before we come over here to church, Karen was reading me a Facebook post by, the, by a, a, a Gary Heine. Now, Scott, you know Gary. Gary uh, is, uh, him and Patty is in charge of, uh, uh, of this orphanage over in Venezuela where we went a few years ago. Did you see this post? Uh, just a few days ago, uh, they were broke into over there at their house. They, and when he poked his head around the corner, he was facing a sawed-off shotgun. And he's an older man, but in his post he said, but I moved pretty quick when I saw that gun. And when he pulled his head back, it went off and hit the wall, the shotgun. The people got him and his wife. They held him down to the floor with a shotgun on his head to rob them. And he said in this post, if I, if I got this right, Karen, that he began praying for the people out loud while they held the gun to his head, praying for these people that was, that was uh, trying to rob them. Him and his wife didn't get hurt or anything like that, but they did steal some things. And after the fact, they, they, the, the, the other guys that was on the campus there, they came out. And, and they followed the, the area, the little uh, lane or whatever where these guys left, and they almost found everything that the people had taken. They almost got everything back. But it, but it caused me to ask myself, Lord, do I have that kind of faith? Do we have that kind of faith that we can pray out loud for the people that's holding us up? Now, let's, let's just be real here. I'm just, I'll talk about me. If that's all right, I'll just use me so I won't upset none of you guys. The flesh side of me, Marilyn, would want to get up and beat their brains in for pointing a gun at me and, 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 letting, and shooting it. You understand what I'm saying? If, I could have got a, if, if, if we could have got a hold of them, that's what the flesh would want to do. But if I couldn't get a hold of them, what, what is left for us to do? Pray, pray. And, and, and so you understand faith a lot of times has to grow with us. In Hebrews chapter 10, I want to start there. And then we're going to look at, at, at Hebrews chapter 11. But I want you to first look at Hebrews chapter 10. And I want you to look back up in verse 25. And then we'll, then we'll go up to, to chapter 11 to sort of lay a foundation where we want to start our series tonight on faith. This is, if you want to take notes, this is just, I'm just going to call this faith one don't give up. Faith one, don't give up. Look with me. Hebrews 10, 25. 
The Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, Brother Parker, got to stop right there just for a second. Because we're living in a day where we are forsaking what we know to be true. We're living in a day where we're forsaking the house of God. We're living in a day where we forsake what we were brought up to know. You remember me talking to you a few weeks ago about what is our passion? I'll be preaching to you about that. Matter of fact, I'm going to start another series on Sunday about passion. What is passion? Do we have it? How do you get it? How long can you keep it? What do you do with it once you have it? Passion. It's that, it's that drive within us that something that we enjoy, something that we love. What, how is our relationship with Christ? In the area of our faith, does our faith grow in the sense that we want more and more of that faith so we can do more things for Christ? Or are we comfortable with where we are today? Are we comfortable in our surroundings today? If God was to call us out and to cause us to go here and there and everywhere, would we be able to do that? Would we trust God enough with faith that we can step out on nothing and believe God's going to catch us? Say, Pastor, why are you talking to us about that? Well, let me ask you a question. Is it, is it not possible that God could call us out? Sure. Is it not possible that God could call us and cause us to stretch ourselves a little bit, to grow? We're going to talk about some heroes of faith a little bit later on tonight. But, but, but see, we're no different than those heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 is. We're no different than they are. We're men, we're women just like they were. But they've done extraordinary things because their faith began to grow. Their experiences with God begin to grow. Their love for God began to grow. Their depth of God began to deepen, if you will, and take root. But we live in a day where some is forsaking the assembling. And, and the writer here of Hebrews says, let us consider one another to, to stir up love and good works, but don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Verse 26, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries, adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified or was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Here's a verse. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, partly while you became the companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession of yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. 
And if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now look at in, in, in chapter 11, verse 1. This is the scripture that we, that we often quote. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Heroes of the faith. I want to show you some modern day heroes that some of you probably uh, probably looked at. I don't know, if, do we have some of those up on the screen? Let's look at these. We got some, we got Batman up there. Matter of fact, there's this new movie out right now, Batman versus Superman. Anybody went to see the movie? I, don't, I saw it. I don't know if somebody, I've talked to several people. Some of them liked it. Some people said they were mad at the movie after they got out of the movie. One of those kind of things. So we have Batman, we have Superman, we have Spider-Man, we have even old Mr. Incredible up there. And, uh, and, and Wonder Woman, now, she's a little different Wonder Woman than I grew up with. How many members the old Linda, what was her name, uh, Linda Carter? Oh, that's, that's Batwoman. Do we have Wonder Woman up there? That's Wonder Woman. See, y'all know, y'all know these, these heroes. What was, what was the name, Linda Carter? Who, how, many, how many knows Linda Carter, Wonder Woman? That's, how, that's the Wonder Woman that I grew up with. Those kind of things. So, so we have these, these superheroes, and, and as far as I know, they've been around all my life. You know, I grew up when Superman was, uh, was that black and white Superman that, you know, I don't even know the guy's name. What? Clark. Yeah, but what was his, what was his real name? George something. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then I grew up in a time, you remember how many members Johnny Weismuller? That played the old Tarzan. He's swinging out in the dungeon, you know. As a kid, I love watching Tarzan and the little cheetah, you know, the little chipmunk there, or chipmunk, not a chipmunk, little cheetah, little monkey thing. You saw, I used to love watching that on Saturdays. I mean, that was that made my Saturday if I knew that Tarzan was going to come on. You know, get chipmunk off your mind, all right? You get up here and start speaking a little bit. So that, that really made, and, and, and then, Brother Larry, if a Western would have come on after that, man, you talk about, it, the day was made. And you've heard me tell the story where after those shows, I would, I would get those, those towel wrapped around my neck, and I'd go flying like I was flying uh, out, out in, the, in the yard and zoop underneath the house, you know, when I saw the cars coming, because those were the enemies. The cars were the enemies. So you had to hide from the cars. So superheroes. But, but the thing with superheroes is that their identity is supposed to be what? Secret. Their identity is supposed to be secret. So they live ordinary lives, but they have ordin- uh, extraordinary powers. They live ordinary lives, but they have extraordinary par- powers. Hebrews chapter 11 is about heroes as well. Maybe not Batman and Superman and things like that. They're not superheroes. There's, there's only one of those, Jesus, that, that we know, who really does save the world through his suffering, who really does save the world through his death, as, as opposed to using the superpowers, so to speak, as these guys does in order to do it. Hero, heroes, people who by faith, that's, that's the point I want you to get. Ordinary people. But by faith became the superheroes, if you will, of the Scripture that the Bible talks about by faith. These guys accomplished great things. People who by faith made a great difference to the world we live in. 
People who overcame great obstacles and faced a great adversity to change the world for God. Many people have a favorite uh, chapter or a favorite verse in the scripture. So many people, Hebrews chapter 11 is that, is that favorite uh, chapter. So I want, us to, I want us to look at this chapter over the next few weeks and look at it. But before we get into that, into that chapter, I want, to, I want to look and see how this fits into the context of the, of the whole book of Hebrews here. Many times we... We take our favorite bits of the Bible out of context, maybe even sometimes, and, and, and as a result, it loses their meaning. It loses the, the, the reality of what the Scripture is talking about. So when you look at this, how many would agree with me that the Christian life can be tough at times? How many knows that? It can be. The Christian life can be tough at times. Hebrews was written to a, to a group of Jewish uh, Christians, if, you, if you've done a research on that, who, like us, had never seen, who had never heard of Jesus themselves, but they were written to this, to this group here. And after the initial progress of when they introduced themselves to Jesus and they started walking and living for Jesus, and doesn't this sound just like us? After that initial progress, it seems that they had stopped making any progress whatsoever, and they began slipping back into Judaism. They began slipping back into their old way of life. They began to slip back into their routine, if you will. They were creatures of habit. We still are that way today. And if we're not careful, we'll slip back into that old life, so to speak. Being a Christian in the Roman world was harder than being, than being Jewish, which enjoyed uh, certain privileges of that day. And I don't have time to go into all of that. But in the Roman world, believing in one God was like being an atheist and could get you into big trouble if you wasn't careful. The Jews were exempt, though, from that particular thing. But as the infant church grew of that day, that early church began to grow, it became clear that the Christianity of that day was distinct from Judaism, and it lost the protection that maybe Judaism offered to the people and the Jews of that day because this was something new. This is something that they had not heard of before. This was something, a new revelation, so to speak. And so you know how it is when something new comes on the scene. You, you're skeptics a little bit at first. You know, you, you're trying to, to, to walk easy and walk light and try to fill the territory out a little bit. You go back and you do early research of even the church of God, and ministers in here can tell you, they, some of them, got stone and there were some of them that got their churches burned and there were some of them that that died because the people of that day did not understand the Holy Ghost they didn't understand the baptism of the Holy Ghost they didn't understand the being indwelled with the spirit and the speaking in tongues and holy rollers as they would call them and all kinds of things in the holiness movement at the turn of the century in 1900 but things happen and, and those early leaders those early uh, visionaries if you will they had to have a measure of faith to get them to the next level, right? Do you understand that that's why you and I are here tonight? Because of those guys. We're here tonight because they paved the way ahead of us. Many of them that lost their lives. Many of them that lost their homes. Many of them that lost their possessions. Many of them that had their churches and their homes burn up with fire because the people of those communities was trying to burn them out and get rid of them. But they had to have a level or a measure of faith in order for us to be here today. And since their conversion, they've been exposed to persecution. Since their conversion, they've been exposed to public abuse and imprisonment and looting of their property. But, but as yet, they had not been called upon. Now, let me stop here and say this. 
There's some of us that may have felt like in the past that we've been persecuted. We may have felt like that we've had it bad because of the sake of Christ. But I just wonder how many of us has been persecuted to the point of death that you either reject Him, we'll let you live, or if you accept Him, we're going to blow your brains out. We've heard of people that's happened before. Just a story with Brother Gary just a few days ago. It's happened to him. Where are we in that level of faith? But these people, even in that day, had not been called upon to die for their faith yet. So their faith was getting ready to be put to the test. See, sometimes being a Christian is harder than not being one. That's why you've made statements, and I've made them too. That's why young people make say, well, well I, why can't we be like those? Because they don't act like they ever have any problem. Right? Why can't, we, why can't we be like Because it seems like they always get the good things happening to them. And we don't. As far as a Christian, we don't. I remember as a child growing up and thinking that sometimes. It looks better on that side of the fence, so to speak. Sometimes being a Christian is harder than not being one. So the temptation for them and for us was to give up. Or at very least to stand still and not to press on. Enthusiasm was stopped. Energy was zapped. Energy was gone. These are the things that you and I may experience even today. Faith can be difficult. Faith can be difficult, especially when we face persecution or when we're faced with hard choices. Do I pursue a relationship with somebody who is not a Christian? Do I pursue a sexual relationship with someone I'm not married to? Do I tithe when I, when I could do so much with the money? For my own family. Should I be honest in this situation even though I could benefit from dishonesty or be harmed by honesty? Do I forgive somebody who has hurt me in the past? See, we may not have had to go through what the people of the older church had to go through, but we have our own set of problems, do we not? And we ask ourselves those questions and many others the same way. Faith can be challenged when we face suffering either personally or in the lives of those that was close to us. So there are many situations when it can be said that, that not being a Christian sometimes may be easier than being a Christian and sometimes. Hebrews 11 and 1 and 3 reminds us that, that there's heroes of faith. God's incredibles, if you will. They do not have an easy time. We're not promised an easy time in Scripture. And when I've asked... Why should your family be going through this trial? And when I've been asked that, and, and you know, we, we may say, well, I, well, why not? Why not? Isn't, isn't this what Jesus promised? I mean, did not the Bible say in this world you're going to have, right, persecution? You're going to have trouble. So Christianity has often been seen as, as the religion, if you will, of the wimp. But we know it's really not. Following this crowd... They had some tough things that they had to go through. They had to be strengthened in their level of faith. Following Jesus, we know, means we got to take up the cross, right? Take up the cross and follow Him. The cross is a hard piece of wood. The cross is a hard way to go by. The cross, there's suffering there at the cross. There's pain at the cross. There's death at the cross. It means a harder life in some ways than not following Him. And the question many times is, why me? Is the question that we ask, but the people of Hebrews 11 may have had those moments, but they, but they got over them simply to become God's incredible heroes, if you will. And if they can do that, <coughs> then you and I can do it as well, can't we? 
That's one of the things that we need to remind ourselves. The other thing we need to remind ourselves is this, that Jesus really is the answer. He really is the answer. Think about that. Hebrews is written out of a concern for them. This whole book is written out of concern for these, this early church here and warns them from going back. Don't go back. Don't give up. Let faith arise in you. Don't go back. I mean, what, what do you have to go back to anyway? Right. For if they forsake the Christian message, they have everything to lose. But if they don't, they have everything to gain if they press on. And Hebrews tells us that Jesus is better. He's the answer. He's superior. He is the answer. He, he is what history, the Old Testament, and everything else that we know about, according to Scripture, is leading up to. We're, we're getting up to that place, even today. I mean, probably if I, if I was to ask a show of hands, how many of you are looking for the coming of Christ? Everyone else would raise our hand, right? I hope we would anyway. Every day we're looking for Jesus. We're looking for Jesus. We're anticipating the day Jesus comes. We're anticipating. You've heard me tell this before, and I was talking to, to Kristen uh, Belford, uh, Vonda and Kurt's girl, the other, uh, uh, daughter, the other, uh, last night I think it was. And she was going to, she's going to Honduras as well ahead of us, ahead of our group. But I didn't know this, but she told me that she's going for 30 days. Did you, did you know that? 30 days. And I said, wow, 30 days. That's a long time. That's a long time. Because I remember I went over there last year spent 18 days. That was too long. <clears throat> and when I come down the mountain waiting for Carol and for some of these other folks to come, I was ready to go home then. After 10 days or 7 days, whatever it was. But I knew I had to go back up there. And it wasn't that I didn't want to go back up there. It was just I was homesick and I wanted to come home. But I'm going to tell you, by the second time of coming down that hill, I call it a hill, but it's a mountain. It takes three hours to get down that mountain to a little gas station. When we got down there, right, Todd? <laughs> I was ready to come home to the point that... that Something within me that when I got to that station, some of you remember, and I was able to get on the phone and, and hear Karen's voice, something snapped and I began to flood, just a flood of tears. I, don't, I can't explain it. I was just homesick. I was ready to get to that place. And, and the Apostle Paul here in this book of Hebrews is trying to get these guys, say, look, you, we're, we're looking for a place. We're looking for a home. And the old song we many times sing, I've never been this homesick before. Have you ever felt that way? Heaven is a place that, that is our home. Where you stay at tonight, that's not your home. That's just a place that you live around. This community that we live in and we abide in and, and when we, we work in, this is not our home. He's preparing us a home. Amen. And he said, if I go away, I will come again to receive you, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the place that we're looking forward, right? Amen. And every day we, we live with this anticipation of, Lord, could it be today? Could it be today? Could it be today? Many times my prayer and your prayer, Lord, if it is today, let me be ready, right? Because we know temptation is there every day. And the enemy will want to mess us up every day of our life, and we'll slip and we'll fall. Lord, help me to be ready. Help me to be ready should you call us home today. See, Christianity in one way among these, among these Hebrew believers thunders out that there's something else out there. And I can tell us tonight there's something else out there. What we have right now is not all there is to it. Amen? 
Jesus Christ is coming back after his church. Long ago in many ways and at many times, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 in a different translation says this, God's prophets spoke to his message, spoke his message to our ancestors. But now at last, now at last, God sent his son to bring his message to us. God created the universe by his son and everything will someday belong to the son. Amen. Some translations puts it this way, and at the end of these days. I don't know when the end of these days is going to be, but I really believe they're going to be soon. I do. I believe that Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back after his church. I do. I do believe that in case of an accident or whatever the case may be, Sister Lane, I, 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 may, I may be alive when Jesus comes back. How about that? Wouldn't that be a wonderful, awesome thing to hear the trumpet sound? I believe that it could happen. And so, and so we know that, that this word was spoken by the Son. He is God's last word. Those who claim to have come after with the final word, who, whoever it is, Mohammed or Buddha or Joseph Smith, whatever the case may be, they're false prophets. They're not, you're not going to get anything out of that. Listen to me. We've got we've to understand that Jesus Christ said it in his, in his, when he walked upon the face of the earth. I've got to go away, but if I go, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And Hebrews, Hebrews sets, sets about establishing, establishing this, this fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And it all points to him who, though he is God's son, took on humanity. And we already know that. So that he could be one for us. He knows us. He lived perfectly and offered the perfect sacrifice on the cross, paying for our sins so, so that now we can come boldly the Bible says, into the throne of God. We can come boldly into His presence. It's not, a, it's not an arrogance on our part. It's not a prideful thing on our part. We don't claim it. It's Jesus that's, that says that. We can do that. He, he's the one that said that. And so if that's true, it can't be arrogant. It can't be a prideful thing. He said in, his, in the Scripture, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If anybody comes to the Father, right? You've got to come by me. In April... 1988, you may have read this or saw this on the news. If you remember that far back, a skydiver jumped from a plane along with, a, with, with several other skydivers. And this particular guy was, was filming all the other skydivers as they jumped. And on the film, as the final skydiver opened up, opened up his chute, the picture went berserk. The announcer reported that the cameraman had fallen to his death. The cameraman jumped out of the plane without his parachute because he didn't realize he didn't have a parachute on. His mind was only on the camera. It wasn't until he reached that point of where he had to pull the ripcord that he realized that he was free-falling without a parachute. True story. Until that point, the jump probably was exciting. It was probably thrilling, all of those things. But tragically, he acted with thoughtless haste. Now, don't lose me here. He acted with deadly foolishness. Nothing at that point could save him. His faith was in the parachute that was not even buckled on. His faith was in the parachute that he never buckled on. Listen to me, church. Faith in anybody else except Jesus is tragic spiritually. You're free-falling. You're free-falling. Faith in Jesus alone will save you. Faith in Jesus alone. Jesus 
is the answer. Jesus is the real deal. He is the answer for the world that was torn apart by hatred and lives empty of real meaning, empty of real purpose. We've got to learn to trust in Him. But we live in a culture today that everything is okay. You'll hear me say this Sunday, but I'll go ahead and just give you a little bit, tidbit of message Sunday. We live in a, in a culture today, whether you know it or not, that being spiritual is an end thing. Matter of fact, even Morgan Freeman right now is answering the question, who is God? Anybody see that? Who is God? And we've got all these understandings and philosophies and all these things of acceptance and we've got to accept this and got to accept that and got to accept that to be relevant today. We've got to, that's, that's, God, that's who God is. I'm, 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 I'm unsure about some things before they get all that information. Or if they're reading the scriptures about God is love, are they not reading the same scripture that God is a God of judgment as well? Are they not reading the same scripture that there is a hell? that is going to be burning forever and forever, that people will go to. Do they not read the same scripture that says that wide is the gate that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life? What is that telling you, Eli? The Bible tells us that in the end days there will be a great falling away. And we fuss and complain many times, and I do the same thing, don't get me wrong. And I guess I'll still do it till I go to my grave of why people, you can't get people sometimes to come to church and you can't get them to do this and you can't come because they've got their own thoughts and own feelings about, about church and all these things. But the Bible says these things are going to happen. Doesn't mean I've got to stop doing what I'm doing. Doesn't mean I've got to, I, I, can't, I, I don't need to stop inviting people to church. But here's my problem. I'm, just, I'm being open with you and being very... Um, thank you. I'm not necessarily worried so much about the outsider coming in. I'm worried about the insider staying in. Where are we? Where is our faith? Where is our passion for the love of Christ and servant, serving Him? What drives us each and every week to get up and say, Hey, I'm going to church. I love being with God's people. What drives us? What motivates us to keep on keeping on no matter how hard the road may get ahead of us? What drives us to do that? Faith has got to grow in us. And so, so my last point to you tonight is, look, we've got to keep on trusting in God. Faith. Don't give up faith. So the call to the Hebrews on that basis is that Jesus is the real deal. And because of what He has done is that we should not give up because of the price that He paid for us. That's reflected here in, 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 in chapter 10, verse 35. He says, in the Message Bible, it says it this way, don't throw it all away now. Don't throw it all away now. How many members of the old song, you're old enough to remember the old song, we've come this far by faith, trusting in the Lord. Right? Wonderful song. Why are we wanting to give it up now? In the day that for us as God's people is supposed to be the most exciting times that we live in. Are we telling our children that? Are we telling our grandchildren that? Are we letting them know with love that what they're doing maybe is not right? You need to come into God's family. You need to make things right before Jesus comes. Are we telling them those things? Or are we just allowing them just to float and just case sera, sera and accept whatever comes may be? I'm not telling you to judge. That's not, what I'm, that's not the point I'm, I'm making. 
I'm not telling you to be hard on them, but out of love, we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can share it out of love. Keep on trusting. So the Bible here says, don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing. <laughs> I love, now I don't, I don't read the Message Bible all the time, but I love parts of the scripture and how it puts it. Why give it up now? You believed it then, it's still a sure thing. But you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan. So you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on a loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. <laughs> but we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no, we'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. Trusting all the way. Trusting all the way. Doesn't matter what comes our way. Doesn't matter what the naysayers may say. Doesn't matter what the enemy brings at us. We're not going to quit on Jesus Christ now at this point. We've come too far to turn back now. The journey that we've, that we've, that we've come through, the, the hard times, the long nights, all of those things, we've come this far by faith, trusting on the Lord. See, chapter 11 is written as an encouragement, really, when you think about it, to them to keep on believing. Keep on believing in Jesus. Just as the Old Testament, the heroes carried on despite never actually seeing the object. Think about this. But we'll get into some of this in a few weeks. It's exciting. We think about this. They carried on despite never actually seeing the object of their faith. They didn't see the promise. They just heard about it. But by faith, they trusted and they believed. You and I, dear Lord, I'm about to get happy here. You and I, we know the promise. Intimately, we know the promise. We know what he done for us on the cross of Calvary. We know the blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. We understand we've got the book that they didn't have. Hallelujah. And so there's road. I want you to encourage you to keep on believing. It can be tough, but there is nothing that God can't handle. Hallelujah. We will look through this chapter 11. You realize that these people, they, as we said earlier, they're not superman. They're just ordinary people who trusted God and they refused to give up. They refused to give up. In a sense, the writer here of Hebrews is saying in chapter 11, you can, you can be a hero too. You can be an incredible individual too. Just don't give up. So throughout, throughout these next few weeks, I, I want us to, and you can begin looking at that and study that, if you will, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, but I want us to begin to see what real faith is. What, what is, have you ever asked yourself, what does real faith look like? If you had to draw a picture of, of faith, what would you draw? What does real faith look like? What do you do with that faith? How do you get your faith to grow? How does it stretch? How, how do you want to get those, that faith to stretch in you? Seeing that real faith. Think about it here. We are already in the month of April. Do you understand that? I, I thought just a week or so we come through Christmas. But now we're in the, already in the month of April. And we've got to remember that Jesus is the real time. Time doesn't, doesn't slow down for you or I. And the older you get, the faster you get. We've got to declare it. We can't. 
We can't sit idly by and not declare it. We've got to declare it. We've got to live it. Even when it gets, when, when, the tough, uh, when, it, when it gets tough, our world needs us to hear it. People need it. We've got to determine in our hearts not to be the victim of those circumstances, those things, but we've got to determine that we're going to be a victor in those things. To, to be God's superhero, if you will. Even in a hostile world, even in a hostile world, we've got to determine that. Now listen to me, church. As churches... I don't know everything that's going to happen in the future. But as your church, and as churches all across America, we're having to do things different now than we used to 20 and 30 years ago. We are. We're having to set up regulations different, guidelines different, background checks that we used to... Isn't it amazing that when you get somebody coming to your church and say, oh, I have a love for kids, I want to work with kids. Used to, you say, boy, that's wonderful, we need a nursery worker. How many don't need nursery workers? How many, how many, how many teachers that we do need, such a Sheena, right? But now, you've got to run a background check on them. Because you don't know what their background is. Pedophiles. People that's, that's messed up in the mind. And, 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 and they'll tell you, statistically they'll tell you that if people in prison, they'll come out of prison, one of the easiest targets for them to go is the church. I'm not saying we're not supposed to love on people like that. You understand, right? We've got to love them. We've got to pray for them that God would deliver and set them free, right? But there's, there's things we've got to do that's different than we used to do 20, 30 years ago especially when it comes to our children. There's things and there's laws that's going on right now in every state concerning concealed weapons and all these, whether you can bring them into the church house or not bring them into the church house. And what do you do? And security here and security there. There's a church in Jonesboro just the other day. If I called their name, you would know them. I was talking to a guy that was a member of that church and he said, Brother Danny, he said, just the other day, just the other day, me and another couple of guys was in the church parking lot and we noticed this car that was driving up into our parking lot and they were taking pictures of the church. This is just, this is just recently. I said, really? He said, yeah, we got in our car and we followed them. We called the police and we followed them. The police stopped them and we, they confiscated their phone and they'd been doing that to several churches and they had, they had ties with ISIS. Now, I don't know what they were going to do, but they were taking pictures. I mean, that's enough to scare you right there, right? At any given time, at any given time, anybody can pull on this property. Y'all understand that, right? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to get you to understand what do we do then as a church? Where is our faith going to be? Is it gonna, it, do we, are we supposed to hide under a rock? No. Uh-uh. We still serve a good God. We still serve a great God. We still serve a more powerful God. Amen. But we've got we've to be wise, right? Wise as serpents. So things are changing, but my faith in Christ continues to have to grow each and every day. But, but the problem, again, the problem that I have as a pastor and just as a, as a Christian altogether, and I've asked myself this. I, I've tried to examine myself. I'm going to let you go. I'm, I'm just trying to be, lay, lay a little foundation here. Says Pam, I'm, I try to ask myself, Lord, am I where I need to be with you? Oh, I know I get up and preach every Sunday, but 
I don't care about that, but am I where I need to be with you? Is my relationship with you where it needs to be, where I can bring others? And if I'm not doing something right, then help me to see those things. Open my eyes to see those things. But we get so sidetracked with feelings. Whoa, 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 feelings. They get hurt. They get messed up. They get stepped on sometimes. And when those incidents and those little things, and I just use the, the word feeling here, but there's so many other things I could use. When they, when they affect us, then we allow those, excuse this expression here, those insignificant feelings. <laughs> Brother Danny, what do you mean insignificant feelings? My feelings mean something. They're, they're worth, I understand that. But when, they allow, when, when you allow those things to get in the way of your God, we've got, we got problems here. We're adults, right? We ought to be able, and God's people, we ought to be able to come together, love one another, say, hey, Sister Marilyn, I, I, don't, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Whatever, can you forgive me? And then she's supposed to say, you know, Brother Danny, you did hurt my feelings, but I do forgive you. And in love, we're going to work this thing out, and we're going we're gonna to grow together. Is that not how it's supposed to work? Is it in the Bible? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Maybe God led me to you tonight. Did I hurt your feelings any today? Okay, just check. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, church, but we don't, we won't, we don't listen to these things. And, 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 and the writer here of Hebrews, let me, let me turn here one more time, if I can find it. It says, don't, don't throw it all away now. Don't throw it all away now. You were sure then what, what's changed, in other words. What's changed? It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up just any minute. Don't, don't give it up now. Don't give it up. Write those things. That I, I won't be happy if you give it up. We're not quitters. We don't lose. We're not going to lose out. Why do we want to allow those things to affect who we are as God's people in our role and our relationship with the church? There's not a church. That's not a perfect church. And I grew up in a time, and, and y'all did too, where well, the people get mad at the church and say, well, I'm not going to pay my tithes anymore to the church. Well, who are you hurting? You ain't hurting the church. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself if you, go, if you, if you listen to the Word of God. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to quit the... Well, who are you hurting? You're hurting yourself, and all you're doing is alienating yourself. If me and my wife gets into a spat and a discussion, sometimes we do. I know it's hard to believe, but sometimes we do. She don't listen sometimes. <laughs> but if I if I if I have this this attitude if I have this attitude with Karen like well fine she's made me mad so I'm not talking to her no more. Who am I hurting? Because I promise you there'll come a day I'll, I'd really like a little sugar. But I but I have to remember, brother Mike. I said I just I ain't talking to her anymore, right? So at some point in time I've got to I've got to do something to cross that barrier. Swallow the pride. <laughs> but that's how we treat God sometimes. You think about it, church. Now, we laugh about these things, but that's how we treat God. That's how exactly how we treat God. So how can our faith grow? How can our faith blossom? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We're so thankful for your many blessings. We thank you for everything that you mean to us. What a wonderful Savior you are. What a wonderful God you are. 
God, I don't want to ever get to the place where I don't look to you and look for you every day. The truth about, uh, about it is, is that you could come back even today. Whatever the day it may be, God, help us be ready to go. Help the oil in our lamps be full. Have it be full. Don't let us waste it. Don't let us waste it. But God, let us be fruitful. Let us, let us be about your business. Help our faith to grow, God. I know there's probably people that's here today that's suffering and going through all kinds of things, and they're being stretched today. But God, I pray that you increase their faith in you. Don't let them give up. Let them hold on. Let them, let them hold on to what they know to be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.